On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, a performance Model 3 may have been spotted at a California racetrack. It may be possible to upgrade your old Model S or Model X MCU after all. FedEx becomes Tesla's latest big name customer and more. What's happening, friends? Welcome to Ride the Lightning. It is the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast, episode 139 for April 1st, 2018. There will be no jokes, goofs, or pranks of any sort in this episode, I promise, because odds are you're not even listening to it on April 1st. But anyway, uh, it is a beautiful day, a summer-like day here in San Francisco, an uh, inexplicable little mini heat wave. It's into the low 80s, which is totally out of the norm for us at any time of the year, let alone the end of March. Uh, and I was super lucky. Our company gave us Good Friday off. So I've had the day off today. I've been spending it. Uh, my, my wife and daughter are on a spring break trip visiting my in-laws, her parents. So I've had the house to myself. So uh, Daisy the Boxer Puppy and I went down to uh, one of my favorite places for a nice long walk. I actually met a, uh, a Ride the Lightning listener, Jens Peter, uh, from... Denmark. I want to say hello. We actually met up at In-N-Out Burger and had lunch. It was fantastic. He's out here. He did a factory tour. He's got a Model S back home. It was fantastic to speak with him. So shout out to him. Uh, got a haircut, man. It's just been a super nice, chill day. I love it. And now I thought, you know what? Why don't I come back? Uh, I've got, I've just cracked open. I just bought uh, my favorite seasonal beer. It's this local brewery here in San Francisco called 21st Amendment. And they make a seasonal beer called Hell or High Watermelon, which is a super, super light beer that's got serious notes of watermelon in it. I love it. It's just come back in season. This is right now. I've got in a glass in my hand the fir- my, my first one of the year because they just started it, uh, in March. It basically runs during baseball season. Anyway, so I'm in a great mood. Happy to be with you here this afternoon. Beautiful afternoon. I hope it's awesome wherever you are as well. I uh, thought I'd get the show done a little earlier than usual so that those of you who support me on Patreon can get it into your ears even a touch earlier. Anyway, we've got a lot to get to this week. It is yet another very interesting week of Tesla news. Unfortunately, it is not all good. Uh, Some real tragic news coming up later as well. You may have heard. You maybe know what I'm referring to. Uh, We'll get to that. But first, I did want to just touch on the fact that I'm recording here in the late afternoon on March 30th. Uh, Tesla typically will send out an email blast to media announcing their preliminary delivery numbers for a quarter. They'll usually do that the day after the quarter ends, uh, which in this case would be Sunday, April 1st. They might not do it till Monday. In any case, it's just missing this recording. I apologize for that. There's nothing I can do about it. So I'll cover off on it in more detail next week. In fact, by the time you hear this, Uh, It may very well have already been announced, so I don't want to dwell on it too long. But my personal guess here recording before it's been publicized is that Tesla is probably not quite at that 2,500 Model 3s per week goal that they had set out, the revised goal, from a little while back. But I do suspect they're getting close. I'll bet that they're at least least 2,000 per week, maybe a bit more. I would very much expect the Fudsters 
to be out in full force if indeed Tesla fails to make that 2,500 unit per week goal. Uh, we did see early this week Dana Hull from Bloomberg, who is a Bay Area technology reporter here. Uh, she does great work covering the Elon Musk universe, very, which very much, of course, includes Tesla. She obtained a memo that, sh that she published bits of in a story the Tesla senior VP of engineering, Doug Field, you've heard his name from time to time here on the podcast. In fact, I think there have even been a couple clips of him on quarterly calls, but he sent out a company email back on March 23rd, so a week ago, you know, towards the end of the quarter that, uh, again, was since obtained by Dana at, for Bloomberg. And that email did its best to try and motivate the Tesla factory employees to go ahead and try to reach that 2,500 unit per week goal this this weekend, you know, for, for this final week, this final push before the quarter ends, he wrote, you know, he, he, he basically implored to the competitive nature of most of us, I think. In some form or another, a lot of us are competitive. It's sort of built in to a lot of us, I think, uh, certainly going back all the ways to our ancestors of competing for food with other with humans or even other animals competing for food. Anyway, so that Doug Field email, uh, she Dana had some excerpts. And uh, here's a few things that Doug said in that email. He's, he wrote, talking of Tesla's doubters, he said, quote, I find that personally insulting, and you should too. Let's make them regret ever betting against us. You will prove a bunch of haters wrong. Later, he goes on to say, the world is watching us very closely to understand one thing. How many Model 3s can Tesla build in a week? Uh, later, Quote, this is a critical moment in Tesla's history, and there are, there are a number of reasons it's so important. You should pick the one that hits you in the gut and makes you want to win. We set high goals at Tesla, but I know we can do this. If we keep climbing from 300, meaning per day, through the end of the week, it will be an incredible victory. Your friends and family will hear about it in the news. So we'll find out early next week. Uh, again, I'll cover it on next week's show. We'll see exactly where they got to. But fingers crossed. I, I think I think they're getting close. I, I suspect they might not quite be there yet, but I think they're just about there. Speaking of just about there, something that is just about here. In fact, it's rolling out initially to some some uh, early folks, and it's going to be moving, spreading further and wider here over the coming days and couple weeks. The overhauled navigation system for the Teslas are just rolling out, uh, and s maybe some of you Tesla owners in my audience may have even started to get it by the time you listen to this episode. Elon Musk saying on Twitter, quote, the new nav starts rolling out this weekend, meaning right now or last weekend, depending when you're listening to, the, was listening to this, should be considered a mature beta at first, so won't be perfect, but will improve rapidly. With the old system, we were stuck with legacy third-party black box code and stale data. No way to improve. I can't wait to see this myself, though. I caution folks to go in with tempered expectations. I mean, that's not to say that this update, this navigation system is going to be bad or anything like that. But, you know, as we know, Elon tends to get excited, which in turn gets us fans uh, overhyped at times. You know, I'll give you an example. Like... When Elon said that he was going to end range anxiety, do you remember that? And it ended up being the nav update for, for the Teslas 
that showed the supercharger stops on in the navigation system and how much charge you'd have when you arrive to help. So it was a good trip planning update, but ending range anxiety was maybe not, maybe a little bit of a hyperbolic choice of words. But anyway, look for that new nav to be rolling out in the coming days, if uh, unless you've received it already. Next up this week, Elon continuing on Twitter. This was an interesting story because... <laughs> It flies directly in the face of of what I reported to you last week. Now, as you'll recall, last week, I I managed to get confirmation from Tesla PR that said they had no plans to do hardware upgrades for the the MCUs, the media control units, the the processor that's that's in the screen, in your dashboard, uh, that's so much zippier in this new one. And of course, the S and the X are getting it in new vehicles moving forward. But... Someone on Twitter asked Elon, will it be possible to retrofit the new MCU into Model X and S, which were released last year? Old MCU is kind of slow. People would be happy to get an upgrade option. Well, Elon Musk did reply and said, quote, yes, you can upgrade hardware, although we also wrote software to accelerate rendering on old MCU. Coming out soon and makes a big difference, end quote. So I got a little bit of a chuckle out of this. I, I, I wonder if this is one of those things where the plan at Tesla was to not do upgrades, to not, not offer it. But then Elon goes and says that they will on Twitter, and now they have to go, they have to scramble and go make it happen. I mean, regardless, whether, whether uh, Tesla PR was misinformed, which I doubt because it's their job to be informed, or whether, in fact, Elon is now uh, making this happen via his Twitter post. It's great news that for anybody that wants to upgrade. Though, as I said last week, I would caution everyone to brace yourselves for this to be a not super cheap upgrade if you do happen to be interested in it. My guess, based on the information I got last week about uh, a service center replacement job for the MCU slash screen if you happen to break it or if it, you know, you wouldn't break it, but if, you know, something goes wrong with it out of warranty, that it was about, uh, I think $2,600 was what was quoted. So my guess for this, now that it, it appears to be a thing that is going to be possible as far as an upgrade, I would bank on $3,000. And if it's any less than that, be pleasantly surprised. But then again, Elon mentions this software upgrade uh, maybe that will improve it enough to uh, really make a, a noticeable difference in the day-to-day quality of life uh, as far as usage of, of your screens in your, in your pre-2018 Model S or Model X. I mean, nothing, after all, can top an actual hardware upgrade. But nevertheless, uh, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see what this software update does because we did get a side-by-side test. I want a shout-out to the YouTube channel called My Tesla Adventure. They did a controlled side-by-side test of the old MCU versus the new one, and they ran several tests. Their general results were that the new one is about twice as fast. So uh, hopefully the software update can get it a little bit of the way, close that gap a little bit of the way, uh, for, for those folks who, who choose not to do a hardware upgrade, which again, I, I caution may, may be a bit on the pricey side, although again, it's a, it is a heck of a difference that there's no doubt about that. All right. My favorite story this week, 
is this, a possible, and I caution possible, Model 3 performance model was cited uh, this week by a Tesla Motors Club forum user at the Thunder Hill Raceway in Willows, California, which is up near in the Sacramento area, which is, you know, that's reasonable. That, you know, we've got, there are a couple of raceways that are, that are closer than that, but those are higher profile and Tesla may have wanted to go somewhere to test these cars that's a little more out of the way. Now, uh, this user, uh, he goes by the, he or she goes by the name of, I don't know if it's Sreams or S Reams, it's S-R-E-A-M-S on the Tesla Motors Club forums. Uh, he or she, this user, they, they reached inside the wheel well. They were able to get a look at the car uh, and uh, reach in and snapped a picture inside the wheel well and posted that photo. And what that photograph shows, well, actually, I'll, I'll read his post for his or her post for you. It says, quote, I'm at Thunder Hill Raceway in Willows, California for a track day today. When I arrived, there were four Model 3s with manufacturer plates on them. One in particular had 20-inch wheels with Michelin Pilot Sport tires and huge brake rotors. I snuck my camera under the front wheel and caught a photo of the front CV axle showing it to be dual motor. This was certainly a performance dual motor Model 3, exclamation mark, end quote. So I know this person was excited, but we do need to be careful here. Based on what this person saw, there's no guarantee that it was a performance model. Yes, the red brake calipers are a good sign. Yes, the larger rotors are a good sign. Yes, even the 20-inch wheels can be taken as good anecdotal evidence. And in fact, the, the mere notion of it being at the track is good anecdotal evidence as well. Altogether, they make a pretty good case for it, but we don't actually know for sure. So I just want to sort of journalistically caution that, just pull back a little bit on, on the excitement here before I get completely uh, out of my mind <laughs> excited about a performance Model 3. Now, that said, the photograph reveals that it definitely had a smart air suspension in it, so this may, may very well be the bad boy that I've been waiting to see. Fingers crossed that the performance Model 3, as well as air suspension, is getting close. Uh, I hope to hope to hear more and see more from this car and other hopeful performance Model 3s in the near future. So it is a good sign. I mean, we had, there have been a couple of other little potential sightings. You know, there was the car, uh, gosh, several months ago now that was videoed at the Fremont, the Tesla factory test track that had red, red brake calipers and 20-inch wheels on it. So that could have been a performance that was testing. There was uh, Franz's car that had red brake calipers, 20-inch wheels that was photographed at a supercharger. Maybe that was upgraded to performance. Maybe it was just wheels and calipers that, that Franz put on there. But there, have been, there, have, there are some signs mounting anecdotal evidence here. Next up, nothing uh, suspicion or nothing sort of that's uh, not for sure about this. That is FedEx. They are the latest company to most definitely place a sizable order for the Tesla semi-truck. They put 20 of them in their shop.tesla.com shopping cart, and then they checked out to the tune of, uh, you know, only about 
3.4 million dollars or so uh subtotal yeah 3.4 million dollars shipping free (laughs) i'm kidding i'm obviously kidding that's not how ordering semi-trucks works but in any case uh this is a statement from fedex this comes via electrek credit to them mike ducker the ceo and president of fedex freight said, quote, FedEx has a long history of innovation and incorporating sustainability efforts throughout its global network. Our investment in these trucks is part of our commitment to improving road safety while also reducing our environmental impact, end quote. And I have to say, I mean, it's good news, sure, but I'm a little surprised that it took FedEx this long. And I say that only because FedEx has already been using short-range electric trucks, you know, the, the local delivery kind, nothing nearly as big as a semi. And they've been using those for a couple few years now. I see them around in and around the San Francisco area. Still, this is, of course, good news for Tesla. And if you are keeping score at home, because it is kind of fun to keep score of these things, the, at last count, the publicly known semi-truck orders totaled about 300. So this would push it to about 320, which all told, is worth approximately $55 million in revenue for Tesla, maybe even a bit more. So uh, another major company hopping on board the Tesla Semi train, which I realize makes no sense when you combine the... (laughs) can't phrase it like that. It makes no sense. Anyway, a couple more stories this week. This is the... uh, I have to, I mean, it's, there's just no segueing to this. I mean, that's the, the fact of the matter. You may have heard about this. There was, uh, unfortunately, there was a fatal Model X crash uh, where autopilot was apparently involved. It was this past week here in the San Francisco Bay Area down uh, on northbound 101. I believe it was, was in Mountain View, which is a very, very, very heavily trafficked Tesla area. I mean, you drive down there, you're, you're throwing a rock and hitting a Model S or a Model X. Don't do that, by the way. Don't throw rocks at cars. That's never good. No, um, the driver was apparently using autopilot, and the car ended up colliding with a median, uh, as I said, down on the 101 freeway, US 101 in the South South Bay. The entire front half of the car was just gone, was gone. Uh, the photographs online, you just see, you just see the, the melted front seats, and there's nothing, there's nothing else from there forward. And uh, Tesla did issue a statement on this. Here's an excerpt from their, well, they actually put up a blog post about it. They said, in part, you know, you can go on Tesla's website and read the whole thing if you're interested, but quote, we are currently working closely with the authorities to recover the logs from the computer inside the vehicle. Once that happens and the logs have been reviewed, we hope to have a better understanding of what happened. Our data shows that Tesla owners have driven the same this same stretch of highway with autopilot engaged roughly 85,000 times since autopilot was first rolled out in 2015 and roughly 20,000 times since just the beginning of the year. That tells you that tells you some serious exponential growth as far as sales of the cars. I mean, cuz you got a lot of 2012, 2013, and most of the 2014 cars that don't have autopilot at all that are probably also driving that route a lot. But uh, that is that is some substantial growth as far as the autopilot uh, 
uh, usage along that exact stretch just since the beginning of 2018. But uh, anyway, uh, Tesla owners have driven the same stretch of highway with autopilot engaged roughly 85,000 times since autopilot was first rolled out in 2015 and roughly 20,000 times since just the beginning of the year. And there has never been an accident that we know of. There are over 200 successful autopilot trips per day on this exact stretch of road. Out of respect for the privacy of our customer and his family, we do not plan to share any additional details until we conclude the investigation. We would like to extend our deepest sympathies to the family and friends of our customer, end quote. It's a shame that even one of the safest cars in the world couldn't save the driver's life on this. I mean, I, I feel horrible for the, for the driver's family. Though, uh, and I have to say, though it's certainly of a far, far lesser concern than the loss of life, this accident plus the uh, Uber self-driving fatality that you may have heard about from recently and Tesla's credit rating getting downgraded this week has caused Tesla's stock to get absolutely uh, hit, just, just pounded this week. The, the, and here's the thing. I mean, I was talking about this uh, actually at lunch with Jens Peter. The, the thing you have to accept about, about Tesla, which includes their stock, just everything about Tesla, is that everything about them gets magnified, whether it's good or bad. Good things can light up the stock, but bad things can tank it. It's an extremely volatile stock. Uh, that's the, that's the trade-off that comes with Tesla being uh, getting just getting so much visibility and so much publicity. I mean, you know, obviously people are killed every day in ICE cars and at a statistically more significant rate than in Tesla's. But this is how it goes with Tesla. You know, one one Model X fatality and the, the stock hits, stock takes a big hit and it's all over the news and uh, you know that's how it goes. But I'm going to be very, very curious to hear what the results of the investigations into this are. Both uh, Tesla is investigating as well; they're assisting the U.S. government in their their investigation as well. And and to finish up on this topic with with regard to the intersection of multiple pieces of bad news uh, this week hitting the Tesla stock. You know, I'm no financial expert as I always have to make sure to remind you to preface anything I say, because don't, never take financial advice from me because I'm not a professional. But um, I, I do think, you know, now could be a good time to buy some if you are interested, if you're, if you're thinking you want to go long on Tesla. Um, but, you know, it's, if you're in it for the long haul, I do think that, it's probably going to bounce back. I think it'll probably take a while. It always has. Anytime it's taken a big hit, it's always climbed back, and then it usually climbs. It's always climbed higher. Um, in the short term, though, I, I do wonder if this is the bottom of the Tesla stock uh, situation. In fact, over the last two days, because uh, the market did close on Friday here before I recorded, it has bounced back a little bit over the last two days after just tanking that, that front half of the week. But if the... If the Q1 production situation on Model 3 disappoints uh, Wall Street, that stock could continue to slide for a little while. And 
Um, but the, the other thing, the thing I wanted to come back to on this, uh, again, aside from just lamenting the, I, I couldn't imagine the family getting, getting that terrible news that, you know, they're, they're in this, you, you trust, you know, you, you're in the safest car in the world. I mean, you're not in, nobody's invincible. We know that, but it's just, uh, nobody wants to get that phone call, uh, no matter what vehicle they own or, or what they were doing, whether they're in a car or not. But, um, the, the the autopilot data that Tesla snuck into that, that's really interesting. Just I mentioned it earlier, and I sort of gave my two cents there, but it's just that we don't often get a peek behind the curtain like that on autopilot data. So that's uh, that's very interesting. I would suspect that L.A. probably rivals that kind of, of autopilot traffic through one spot. Uh, but the Bay Area, obviously, a, a heart, this the, the, the home of Tesla and the just the heart of uh, of Tesla country and a lot, a lot of autopilot data being generated every single day in, in, uh, down in, in Silicon Valley there. It's, it's wild to, to hear that it's that many thousands, 20,000 autopilot usages in that exact spot in the first three months of, of 2018. Final note this week, I do want to pass along. This is, uh, it's also bad news, but obviously nowhere near the, the last story there. Uh, nevertheless, I got to pass this along. There is a voluntary recall for pre-April 2016. So if you're Model S or uh, actually just Model S, it does not apply to Model X. If your S was built before April of 2016, this almost certainly applies to you. And I want to say uh, thank you to Patreon producer Jason Chalukas for forwarding me a copy of of the email that he received from Tesla. It reads in part, quote, in order to ensure your safety, Tesla will proactively retrofit a power steering component in all Model S vehicles built before April of 2016. Note that no other Tesla vehicles are affected. There have been no injuries or accidents due to this component, despite accumulating more than a billion miles of driving. To be clear, this recall does not apply to any Model X or Model 3 vehicles, only to Model S vehicles built before April 2016. We have observed excessive corrosion in the power steering bolts, though only in very cold climates, particularly those that frequently use calcium or magnesium road salts rather than sodium chloride, i.e. table salt. Nonetheless, Tesla plans to replace all early Model S power steering bolts in all climates worldwide to account for the possibility that the vehicle may later be used in a highly corrosive environment. If the bolts fail, the driver is still able to steer the car, but increased force is required due to the loss or reduction of power assist. This primarily makes the car harder to drive at low speeds and for parallel parking, but does not materially affect control at high speed where only small steering wheel force is needed, end quote. So if it wasn't clear there, this is a voluntary recall. So no need to rush out and make a service center appointment just for this, but it's just something to be taken care of the next time you happen to be in there. That wraps it up for this week's Tesla news. As usual, got an excellent crop of Ride the Lightning hotline calls to go through with you. Lots to discuss. Uh, Aftermarket insurance stuff, We've got uh, a Model 3 sob story that's, uh, boy, I hope never happens to anyone else. Autopilot impressions from the new update and a lot more right after this. 
Before I get to the Ride the Lightning Hotline, a quick word from Evoto. You heard me mention them last week. Want to tell you a little bit more about them. They are in Montreal. If you're there, you can rent one of their Teslas. They've got S's, X's, and 3's on the way. Unlimited mileage for your rental. They plant 10 trees for every rental in partnership with trees.org. You can park your, your cars securely in their garage while you're out and about in one of their Teslas. And uh, guess what? They've also got some merch as well. Uh, Evotarian merch. You can check it out at evoto.ca slash merch. Their prices are in Canadian dollars, so it is in fact cheaper when you translate it back to U.S. dollars. They've got uh, t-shirts, tank tops, hoodies, even baby onesies on the way, some art and accessories, including Elon Musk-inspired Mars posters. They've got uh, Boring Company-inspired mugs and uh, some other interesting stuff is where, uh, there as well. And what's cool is they've been kind enough to offer up a coupon code for listeners of this podcast. So if you go to evoto.ca, that's E-V-O-T-O dot C-A, and head over to their merchandise section and pick up uh, whatever it is you want to, whatever it is that strikes your fancy, you can use the coupon code RTL and get 15% off. So check out Evoto, whether you want to go rent a Tesla while you're up in Montreal, or if you're not, you can head on their merch page, check out their posters, their mugs, their t-shirts, etc. All right, Ride the Lightning Hotline time. Of course, if you've got a question, comment, or discussion topic for the podcast, I would absolutely love to hear from you because I love this part of the show. I love hearing from other folks and, and bringing in multiple points of view here. So you can call me, uh, I use that in quotes, one of two ways, and that is send me a recording from your smartphone. Just use your smartphone's built-in voice recorder and email that file to me that, you know, keep your question to about a minute, minute and a half, that's ideal. Send that to teslapodcast at gmail.com or you can call and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. That's a toll-free number and it's 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. And hey, if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Let's kick it off with my friend Michael from Milbray. He is reacting to uh, the back-and-forth discussion that's been happening not only in my own mind, but with uh, on this podcast with various listeners as well, about whether or not to order the full self-driving option with the car or, to, or whether you should pay more, whether it doesn't make more sense to pay more for it later, depending whenever the heck Tesla rolls it out. So Michael brings up a very interesting point on this topic. Michael, go ahead. Hey, Ryan. I had a thought about the discussion about whether or not to purchase autopilot and full self-driving uh, when you order the car versus uh, after you take delivery. Uh, in addition to the added cost, um, I had another thought that would that be considered an aftermarket purchase? Uh, it seems like it would be. Uh, and if so, most car insurance don't cover aftermarket accessories. Um, and so I'm wondering, like, if, if your car were to get totaled or something, the replacement value would include autopilot 
if you bought it when you ordered, but might not if you bought it after. Um, I don't really have an answer on that. I maybe maybe some of your listeners might have a have a better sense of it or or have asked prior to placing their order, but. Um, Either way, it's something to certainly keep in mind when deciding whether or not to get it um, before or after. Um, curious to hear what uh, what others think. Thanks. Bye. Wow, great point here, Michael. I hadn't thought of that side of it. And now you've got me straddling the fence again between getting it at launch or buying it later once it actually launches. I I'd like to request help on this from two groups who I think might be able to assist all of us on this matter. And it, it is a great question whose answer has relevance to all of us, no matter which Tesla you happen to be buying, uh, because Autopilot is, of course, uh, included on every car, Autopilot hardware. So if I have any insurance agents or brokers out there who can speak to this, though I, I actually... I don't mean this disrespectfully, but I wonder if even the insurance companies themselves have thought much about this. Uh, and the other people who may be able to speak to this are folks who own and have upgraded their software-locked Tesla batteries. So I'm looking at Model S and X 60 kilowatt hour owners who've done the upgrade to 75, or Model S owners who've done the 85 to 90 unlock for the, the brief time that that was available. Hopefully, none of you have upgraded and then had your cars wrecked to thus have this be an issue that had to had to come up, but maybe you spoke to your insurance company or, or agent about it. I would be very, very curious if anybody out there uh, that meets those criteria can, can help provide some clarity on that, because I think that information would benefit all of us. I'd certainly love to know. Thank you, Michael. Next up is Eric from Grand Rapids, Michigan, who has a really tough Model 3 delivery story that he wanted to share. Eric, you're on the air. Hi, Ryan. This is Eric from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, big fan of the show. Thanks for staying strong uh, when some of the other podcasts have been a little less consistent these days. Um, yep, first time call for me. So I have a good news, bad news. Good news is um, I was scheduled to take delivery of my Model 3 um, this week. Uh, the bad news is that when I went to the Tesla Service Center in Chicago to pick it up um, after scheduling it for a week out, it was unfortunately not ready. So I took a train there and um, <laughs> had to take a rental car back. So pretty big mistake on Tesla's part. Um, it looks like the Model 3 team... Did a software update that morning. I was supposed to pick it up, and it was not ready um, because of the lack of a Wi-Fi connection. So the LTE network was too slow, and the update was going to take hours to complete. So I have to go back on Wednesday. They did provide me with a free rental car for the next two days, the Cadillac. So it's kind of nice. But anyway, still a lot of growing pains with uh, Model 3 deliveries, and um, a little disappointed. But looking forward to getting to the car. And a great impression from the outside. It was beautiful. Inside was very nice as well. Anyway, keep up the good work. Bye-bye. Eric, my heart breaks for you because I am imagining myself in that scenario, traveling four and a half hours by train. Yes, I actually, I went and looked it up because I was curious. Four and a half hour train ride and then getting so fired up 
to get your car, but then coming home empty-handed. That is soul-crushing, my friend. I, oh man, I feel terrible for you. If, if anything good can come of your unfortunate experience, though, let it be this nugget of wisdom that we can pass on to all of your fellow listeners, and me, for that matter. Call Tesla literally right before you leave your house on your scheduled delivery day to make sure that everything is still on track. Uh, that's no guarantee because, you know, you could get there. there it might be, they might be applying a software update, and then by the time you get there, it fails or there's a problem and they can't give you the car. But that I think that's still a good lesson to take out of this to, to try and avoid this kind of scenario as often as possible in the future. But now the good news is by the time this call is aired, hopefully, Eric, you should have your car by now. So hopefully your experience uh, that you just called in about is now at this point, nothing more than a footnote that you can laugh about. Uh, regardless, whenever you get your car, hopefully it's already happened. If not, it's got to be imminent. Drive it in good health and congratulations to you. Next up is our friend Joe from Emotion Rentals. He has, of course, a couple of Teslas because he rents them out. He compares the new Autopilot 2 software update uh, that had a, a seemingly fairly significant bump in quality of Autopilot to, uh, to the old version of Autopilot 2. Joe, take it away. Hey, Ryan, it's Joe from Emotion Rentals. I've had an opportunity to do some autopilot comparison this past week. My Model S has the new software, which everybody's raving about, and my Model X has the old software. And I thought I'd share my perspective. Uh, the new software is definitely better. A lot of the problems that people had complained about, ping-ponging and that sort of thing, is definitely better but it's still not up to where Autopilot 1 was in some regards. For example, the software still gets really confused when there's uh, a turning and multiple lanes, and then cars that are ahead of you but are in an opposite lane, the car sometimes gets confused about still and slams on the brakes. But the ping-ponging's definitely better, and the lane-keeping is definitely better, particularly around corners. But I've also noticed it's not perfect. Uh, I, we have some corners on one of the freeways near us, and it still had some troubles on some of the sharper freeway corners. So uh, kudos to uh, Elon and the team for getting out a new update, but I certainly hope they are still making progress. And I don't think this is the feature-rich version that Elon was teasing sooner. I'm certainly interested in you and the other listener perspective. Thanks a lot, and keep up the good work. I don't have anything to add to this one, Joe. I, I just want to thank you for calling in with this apples-to-apples apples perspective. Progress is definitely happening. Yes, it's happening much more slowly than a lot of Tesla owners would like, but this last update was definitely more than a baby step in the right direction. I mean, by all accounts, it was maybe a teenaged step in the right direction, maybe even an adult-sized step in the right direction, just not a giant-sized step, but it is getting there. Next up is Joster from the Netherlands who wanted to react to Elon's South by Southwest comments about full self-driving being about 18 months away. Joster, take it away. 
Hey, Ryan, this is Joost here from the Netherlands. I've been a listener for about a year now, ever since I realized that a Tesla might actually be in my future. And I'm a very happy Model S owner. I have a 75D I got in July of last year, and it's been such an amazing ride, both with the community and the company, and a car, of course. I mean, I get into that car with a smile every day, and it's been light years ahead of anything I've experienced in the past. Um, and I've driven pretty much every premium European car out there and it's just amazing but what i want to call in about was your podcast one or two weeks ago with uh the south by southwest bit from elon musk where he said full self-driving is about 18 months away and that got me thinking and i read somewhere uh there's about 30,000 traffic deaths in the u.s every year and considering that even current tesla uh cars the the s and the x are supposed to be two to three times safer than a human being when full self-driving is is done uh, and, and and available. So, for argument's sake, let's say everybody was driving a Tesla, and we would be able to cut down on traffic deaths to fifteen thousand, maybe ten thousand every year. It means saving fifteen to uh, to twenty thousand lives every year. Now, for argument's sake, right? Because not everybody is going to have a Tesla anytime soon. But I still think. 18 months, if the hard and software is, is, is done, is going to take uh, a lot longer for legislation, but I think human emotion to catch up. I mean, I was talking uh, with my wife about this, and if you ask someone, well, would you be willing to uh, let a machine drive if it means saving 15,000 people a year? Most people would say yes, but then that... The flip side of that is accepting that a machine is going to kill 10,000 to 15,000 people a year. That's a very different discussion. And not 24 hours later, we had that very unfortunate accident with the Uber self-driving test where the woman got killed in the USA. And rightly so, uh, the internet exploded and, and, and there was a lot of media coverage about that. Uh, and that really enforced my idea that even though we might be able to save a lot of people with this full self-driving, um, the emotions behind a person killing another person is going to be very different from a machine killing a person. So I was wondering what your thoughts were on that and, uh, of course, uh, what what the, the Ride the Lightning community has to say about that. So thanks for an excellent podcast and uh, hope you're well. Get your uh, dream Model 3 soon and uh, my love to Daisy the Boxer. Bye from the Netherlands. Thank you for calling in, Yoster. What a great first call to the podcast from you here. I hadn't looked at it this way, and I think you make an interesting point that's going to make for some spirited intellectual discussion in the automotive community, the technology community, and the legislative community. The idea that your machine could still be responsible for killing someone in an accidental scenario, obviously, it's a difficult thing to wrap someone's to wrap one's mind around. But I suppose it all depends on how you frame or position it, doesn't it? Because when I first listened to your call, I have to say I, I was a bit horrified by the idea that you presented. Not at you, but the thought of exactly the statistics-based scenario that you presented. But then I thought about it a little more and arrived at this. Wouldn't you rather tell someone, if you manually drive, 
you have an X percent chance of accidentally killing someone with your car. But if you let your level four self-driving car handle the driving autonomously, your car, that is your possession, this thing, has a has one half X percent chance of accidentally killing someone. When I thought about it that way, it became a lot less stressful to consider. But nevertheless, uh, excellent, excellent food for thought there. Thank you so much for calling in. Next on the list, we've got Nate from Houston has a concern prior to ordering Model 3. Nate, how can I help? Hey, Ryan, it's Nate from Houston. I was a non-owner line waiter for my Model 3 reservation, and I just received my invitation to configure last week, which I did right away. I'm really excited to receive my car, but I just found out that the Model 3 doesn't have a spare tire, which is concerning to me. I know I could store a plug kit jack and an air pump in my car for small tire holes to get me to a shop, but what about larger holes? Um, I just had a tear in the sidewall recently on my current vehicle. Um, in that case, I was able to install the spare and drive home. But on my Model 3, I would have to get towed maybe by a flatbed to a tire shop. So what took me 30 minutes for a spare would likely take multiple hours at best. And that's assuming it didn't happen late at night while on a road trip or something. I know these things don't happen often, but when they do, a spare tire can be a lifesaver. I read some on the forums. People were suggesting buying a spare tire from another vehicle that would be compatible that's just going to take up a lot of room in the trunk. It's got me pretty concerned, so I was curious to see if you or other listeners had thought about this or had any other great ideas. Thanks for the great podcast. I can understand your concern here, Nate. As you can probably guess, the reason for Tesla's not including spares is almost certainly a weight issue. More weight means less range, so a spare tire that you'll hopefully never have to use was clearly a trade-off that Tesla was willing to make. You have a couple of choices here. You could get a AAA membership. That's one option. That's, uh, that's I guess, would be considered throwing a bit of money at the problem because that's uh, obviously an annual cost there so that you can call them for a tow anytime you might happen to need it. Or Tesla does sell a tire repair kit for $80. Let me read you the description on this thing real quick, and you can also go look at it on their website, of course, uh, shop.tesla.com. But it's uh, described, quote, The next generation Tesla tire repair kit contains an air compressor to regularly top off your tire pressure and a one-piece sealant canister to patch up punctures. In the event of a puncture, simply attach the transparent hose from the top of the kit to the tire valve and connect the plug to your vehicle's 12-volt outlet to begin repairing the hole and filling the tire. The sensor safety system will electronically check for a secure connection between the sealant hose and tire valve to prevent accidental misuse of the kit. It includes one bottle of sealant, one air compressor, one inflation needle, one tapered nozzle, and one Tesla storage bag. So that's certainly not a permanent solution, obviously. It's not, it's not designed to be, but it would probably help in most lo uh, situations. If you wanted to get one of those and keep it in your frunk or, or trunk somewhere, uh, it, hopefully one of those options helps you, Nate. I, I appreciate you calling in. That's definitely a legitimate concern for, for anybody because uh, flats blowouts do happen. Our next caller is our friend Jerome from Northern California. He wants to talk a little next generation roadster. Jerome, go ahead. Hey Ryan, this is Jerome up in Northern California, north of you about a couple hours. 
As far as a movie that the new gen roadster might appear in, I'm going to throw out a remake for Smokey and the Bandit. That's just an idea I've been toying with for the last year. Uh, and the other thing I wanted to mention was that I think the roadster next gen needs a name. Something like The Demon or something else provocative. I say that we start a competition for people to suggest names for the next gen roadster. What do you think? Great podcast. Keep going. I see where you're coming from here, Jerome. It would be nice to have a quick and easy way to distinguish the original 2008 to 2012 Roadster from the next-gen version when you're in conversation with another Tesla friend, owner, or enthusiast. Demon's not bad, but if I'm honest, I don't think it quite gets to the point of what this car's purpose is. That, as you certainly well know, that being to end any ICE versus EV debate once and for all. So allow me, if you will, to throw out a couple of suggestions that could also be cool code names for the project. How about Harbinger, as in the Harbinger of the ICE's doom. I like that one. Reaper, as in the grim variety. Or maybe just keep it a bit simpler and less combative and go with plaid. Since, uh, you know, that is, of course, the, the speed mode, the acceleration mode of the next generation Roadster. So you could call it the Roadster Plaid, you could call it the Plaid Roadster, but you'd instantly know that you're talking about the new one versus the original one. But I think you're onto something with this idea, Jerome, of trying to find uh, a cool name that we can all agree on to distinguish the two Roadster vehicles. Our next caller is Cabe from Colorado Springs who is uh, still waiting for his car. Let's see if we can help him out. Cabe, go ahead. Hey, Ryan. My name is Cabe. I'm from Colorado Springs. Wanted to thank you for the podcast. And the question I have is I am not a current Tesla owner. I waited in line in Denver. I was about the 70th person in line and made my reservation around 10.30 a.m. local time on the first day on March 31st. I still have yet to receive my invitation. Um, it is now, I guess, early Saturday morning, the 24th, and didn't know if you might have any knowledge, insider information of uh, when the um, next round of invites might go out. Uh, thanks a lot. appreciate the podcast. Cabe, I wish I could help you, but only Tesla knows. In hindsight, we learned that Tesla had a planned shutdown of the production line in late February, which I talked about recently. And so after that first wave of non-owner invites went out on February 22nd, we didn't see any more of them go out for a while. Uh, we, we just don't know how often they're starting and stopping the production line and what kind of progress they're making. And even if we did, it still wouldn't give me enough information to accurately answer your question. I, I'm, I feel bad about that. But all I can say with some reasonable amount of confidence is that Based on the time and date of your reservation, you should be coming up fairly soon. I'm guessing that maybe your delivery estimator shows you have a, a delivery window of, what, April to June, I'm going to guess. If that's the case, judging by how the delivery estimates have been going for other people since the delay, I got to figure you should see that, that invite in the next two to three weeks. But unfortunately, all I can give you 
is an educated guess. So uh, fingers crossed that your invitation shows up soon, Cabe. A few more calls here for you. Let's go to Anthony in Brisbane, who wants to talk uh, about loans and see how they those factor into things. Anthony, go ahead. Hi, Ryan. Uh, this is Anthony in Brisbane, California. Um, I've been listening to the podcast for a while now and really enjoy it. So great job there. Um, super informative. And I look forward to every new episode. Um, so I, I'm a Nissan Leaf owner currently uh, and a Tesla Model 3 reservation holder. Um, we love the Leaf, but it just doesn't have uh, enough range for us to really uh, get a whole lot of places effectively. It's great for my wife's commute, but not much beyond that. Um, uh, and so I, I put my reservation in in mid-February. Um, so we'll see if that actually bears fruits. Uh, you know, if and, uh, well, I suppose it will at some point, but when. Um, the question that I had, though, um, was uh, does anyone out there have any experience um, with how the Tesla Model 3 loan uh, functions in regard to the tax incentives? Um, so I'm, I'm actually also mid-process with Tesla um, putting in a solar system and a power wall. Uh, and in that scenario, they actually offer uh, a lower monthly cost if you agree up front to give the full tax incentive over uh, once you receive it. Give it, just give it directly to Tesla instead of keeping it yourself and spending it. Um, so I was wondering if people who are uh, taking delivery of their Model 3s are seeing a similar arrangement available for uh, for the car, um, or sort of you know how that's being handled, um, you know, or, or if the month to month is just whatever it is, and then you take the tax incentive and do whatever you need to do as the owner. Um, anyway, just thought I'd throw that out there uh, into the ether and see if anyone uh, knew any more about it than I did. Um, thanks again for the podcast and have a great day. Hey, Brisbane, you're not too far from me. I, in fact, I used to work in Brisbane. Anyway, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to turn this one over to my audience because all I can say here is that I have not heard of this being a thing with Tesla vehicles. I will add, though, uh, that although I'm no financial expert, I, I said this earlier, but I can't stress it enough, I can't imagine that that giving Tesla your whole tax credit in return for a lower rate could possibly be a good deal for you, assuming you indeed qualify for the full $7,500 rebate. But anyway, uh, let's see if any of the other Tesla owners out there can speak to this one way or another. Thank you, Anthony, for calling in. Let's go now to Nick in Indianapolis, who uh, wants to talk about that tax credit trigger, that 200,000th vehicle. Nick, go ahead. Uh, hi, Ryan. This is uh, Nick from Indianapolis. Uh, first, thanks for the, the podcast. I enjoy it. And um, I guess I have a, a topic or a, a comment. I hear a lot of um, people comment about how uh, it would be to Tesla's disadvantage to delay, or they, they think that they're doing us a favor by delaying that 200th delivery to the beginning of the third quarter. But I, I actually... I always thought it would be to their advantage, um, you know, if they could stretch it out to the fourth quarter, because I know a lot of people might still be on the fence about whether they want to buy the car um, or, or get some of those upgrades. <clears throat> and that if that's, you know, if it's the fourth quarter and that $7,500 or 70, yeah, $7,500 tax incentive is gone, that just might sway them to decide, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to get that upgrade or I'm not going to buy the car at all. So, um, you know, I guess uh, that's, that's a topic I'd be interested in what you and other people think about. So 
um, yeah, go ahead and, uh, you know, talk amongst yourselves. Thanks. I don't know if I've really seen folks arguing against you, Nick. The fact of the matter is that the S and X aren't being delivered in the U.S. until June, but the Tesla factory employees aren't sitting on their hands. The line is moving and cars are being made. They're just going elsewhere. The ideal time to trigger that 200,000th U.S. delivered car in an ideal world, again, I don't know if this will be possible, but it would be the first day of a quarter and also when the Model 3 production line is at maximum capacity. Now, according to Elon and JB, that is 10,000 cars per week. If they can hold out long enough to align those two planets, then the greatest number of U.S. Tesla customers of the SX and 3 will get the credit. I have zero doubt that Tesla is going to do their very best to come as close to that ideal scenario as possible. All righty. Uh, last call this week. The honor goes to Pete from Oakland, another Bay Area guy who wants to talk Jaguar I-Pace and how they have been positioning it against the Model X. Pete, go ahead. Hey, Ryan. Pete from Oakland here. I doubt you have use for this specific point of discussion, as last time I checked, you're not really a big fan of throwing shade. But I kind of just wanted to get the info that surrounds this uh, your way in case it ever comes up for discussion. So when Jaguar revealed the iPace, the very first thing they did was to show it going head-to-head with Tesla's Model X. And it wasn't just a 0-60, to but also how long it took to stop, you know, to get from 60-0. to And the whole thing didn't really settle well with me, so I started looking into kind of the numbers and measurements, and I found something rather interesting. Now, by Jaguar's own standards, there's actually already a battery-powered SUV on the market, with a comparable price, weight, and range. Plus, it's got nearly 9 more cubic feet of rear cargo space, and an extra 4 in the front. It's wider, longer, and it even beats the iPace in ground clearance by almost an inch. And it can even seat up to 7. Uh, crazy enough, Tesla even makes this SUV. They call it the Model S. That's right. Their sedan, in everything but height, is effectively a better SUV than Jaguar's SUV. And that's kind of what made the whole comparison seem more than a little slimy. They're comparing a car that weighs 2,000 pounds more and is nearly the size of a Toyota Highlander to their SUV, which is about the size of a Nissan Leaf, and oddly eats more watts per mile. And they didn't just compare 0 to 60, they compared the stopping distance after that, which not only is a little unfair given, you know, 2,000 pounds more, but they would have lost to the S. Anywho, love the show as always. Have a good week. Thanks, Pete. You're right. I am not one to really engage with this stuff. Typically, I have before. There was the Porsche thing, Porsche thing recently, sorry. But I don't, I don't make a point to. Honestly, here's the thing. I'll be honest. I get so mentally worn down by the absolutely pointless bickering and competing that goes on in the video game community that I deal with in my day job, the Sony versus PlayStation stuff. It's all, they're all amazing plastic toy boxes that deliver untold amounts of joy for a relatively affordable price. But there's just constant, just this one's better and that one's terrible. It's just, it makes me, it really just wears me down to the point that I just, when it comes to this this Tesla podcast with Ride the Lightning here, I, I like to make a point to just focus on Tesla and my enthusiasm for it on this podcast uh, and, and try to leave most of the other stuff by the wayside. But 
What I want to say in response to your call, besides the fact that you're absolutely right on all fronts as far as the facts you presented, is that I agree wholeheartedly with Fred uh, Lambert from Electrek on this issue. And he says, and I agree, that you know Jaguar, BMW, Mercedes, etc., they should be targeting their electric vehicles at people who don't already own electric vehicles. And there are two reasons for that, as I see it. Number one, Tesla owners are, by and large, not suddenly going to all run out and buy the iPACE or anything else. Tesla's customer satisfaction, the last time Consumer Reports posted it, which was fairly recently, what was it, like 94% or so? It was number one. It was, it was, it was huge. It was an enormously high rate of satisfaction. And in general, Tesla owners, and I think it's fair to apply this to us enthusiasts too that don't don't currently own a Tesla, it's it definitely applies to me, I'll say that. We're loyal. Tesla owners, Tesla enthusiasts are loyal to Tesla. And the second reason, number two, is that from a business perspective, targeting Tesla and Tesla owners just seems silly because Tesla has what? I think it's a half a percent share of the overall global automotive market. If you look at the, if you pull all the way back to the satellite view, the 10,000 foot view big picture, there is a much, much larger market to be tapped by targeting SUV owners in general, if you're Jaguar. Convince them that the I-Pace is a great alternative to whatever ICE gas guzzler SUV that they were going to buy, and they're gonna sell a lot more I-Paces, at least, that's my two cents anyway on that subject. Cheers, Pete. Thanks so much for calling in. Thanks to all of you for calling in. Again, I, I highly encourage you to join the discussion. If you've got a question, comment, or discussion topic, you want to react to something you heard on this podcast, either by me or from another listener in the hotline, let me know. Call in. You can either, again, record something on your smartphone using your phone's built-in voice recorder and email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com, or you can dial the toll-free Ride the Lightning hotline and just leave a message. You can do that anytime, day or night, and the phone number there is 1-888-989-8752. Be, be back, be whack, nope, that's not how that goes. Be back right after this with a couple of uh, thank yous and parting thoughts. I want to start by thanking the Patreon producers, the very kind folks that support my efforts here with the podcast at the $20 level level or higher each and every month. Your support means a lot to me. Everybody's support, no matter what level you're supporting at, is just huge. It really makes a difference in my life. Thank you all so much. But the Patreon producers, special shout out to Luke A., Ulrich Lassa, David Vakil, Rome Strack, Michael Callahan, Kenneth Martin, Harold Plug. Peter Chalet, Orion Coates, Lars Hoffman, Lee Sweet, Marcus Mayenschein, Tim Hyde, Sean Fournier, Richard Ouellette, Emotion Rentals, Jason Chalukas, Robert Maracle, Michael Lester, uh, Matthew Para, Logan Willis, Lisa Kaz, Alexi Heft, Jonathan Wales, David Brander, George Cassiopo, Wolfgang Obergen, Pete White, DJ Harbaugh, Paul Hussey, and Jeff Bartram. And if you uh, like what you hear on this podcast week in and week out, you know I'm going to be here for you. You want to say thank you, support my efforts here. 
Uh, you can do that on Patreon. All the information you need is on the Patreon page, which you can find at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Uh, we've got Immaculate Reflections, of course. They are a premier, awesome detailer. They're ready and willing and able to protect the heck out of the paint on your Model 3 or SRX, of course, any car, obviously, but obviously most of you are no doubt going to be getting your Model 3s fairly soon. Uh, Immaculate Reflections is located a bit uh, stone's throw away or so from the Fremont factory. If you're picking up in the Bay Area or specifically at the factory, I encourage you to look them up, get in touch, see what you might want done to protect that beautiful new car of yours, whether it's new car delivery prep, uh, paint correction, uh, paint protection film, particularly on that front end, which is just nothing but paint. Uh, there's uh, ceramic coating, the C-Quartz finest stuff. Whatever you want to do, any of it, all of it, a la carte, drop, drop them a line and uh, see what their, their work looks like and see what you might want to do to your car. You can find their, them on their website, irdetailing.com, also on Yelp or Instagram at immaculate underscore reflections on those respective websites. If you're buying an S or X, why not use my cousin Patrick's code? Get yourself that free unlimited lifetime supercharging. It is currently the only way to get free unlimited lifetime supercharging is to use a referral code. It's Patrick5008. Or if you're ordering online, you can type this into your browser to get it locked and loaded in uh, in the design studio online. It's ts.la slash Patrick5008. Uh, of course, Abstract Ocean, fine purveyors of high-quality Tesla lighting upgrades. That's sort of their bread and butter. They've got other stuff as well, but puddle lights, interior lights, exterior lights, all kinds of stuff. Uh, check out their all their stuff out at abstractocean.com. Use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout and get 20% off of your first order. You can always email me. I've given the email address out a couple times, but again, it's teslapodcast at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter if you're interested in that. I'm at DMC underscore Ryan. Uh, what else? I think that pretty much covers all of it. Uh, you know, most of you hopefully subscribe to the podcast already, but if you don't, go ahead and subscribe. That way the podcast gets delivered to you rather than you having to go seek it out. You can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify now, or you can go over to the podcast hosting site and grab individual episodes or the RSS feed. You can find that at teslapodcast.libsyn.com. All right. Daisy the Boxer Puppy has not even been in the room for this whole upgrade. She, we had a big walk this morning. I told you, you know, I had the day off today, this Good Friday day off. We went down, had an awesome, huge walk in one of my favorite places here in the Bay Area. And she has just been zonked out. So you've not heard a peep from her, not even any snoring this week, because she's just off in the other room laying on one of her dog beds. But she's doing great. Uh, I am very, I'll tell you, great weather. It's just human nature. You get in a good mood. I'm in a great mood today. I'm having an excellent day. I really hope you are too. And again, just a a sincere note from me to you. I know I say this a lot, but I really, really do mean it. I, uh, I just appreciate you giving me an hour of your time every week. I mean, it's, it is, 
It is a lot to ask these days, when there are a million different things you could possibly be putting in your eyes or ears. TV shows, movies, video games, uh, of course, music and, and podcasts. They're everywhere. There's so much stuff that you would, you would take an hour of your week to listen to this. It really does mean a lot to me. So thank you all so much for that. And of course, I'll be back next week. Also, uh, my goal is to get the next Patreon show done this weekend. If it doesn't happen this weekend, I will for sure do it next. But if you're a $10 or higher per month uh, pledger on my Patreon, you are entitled to the fruit to the bonus episode, which is all the extra awesome calls that I can't get to on the regular weekly show. In fact, the, the one I've got queued up and ready to go that I just haven't recorded yet, it's going to be the biggest, longest one yet, because that's I'm getting so many great calls from people that it's more and more that can get fed into the monthly show. So uh, the regular weekly show gets better because of your participation, and the monthly bonus show on Patreon gets better because of your participation. And if you happen to have listened this long and you're still listening, note that um, one, for one more time, for now, I, I'll, I might do this again from time to time. I'm not going to get in a regular habit of it, but the uh, I believe it's the February, actually it might even be the March one. I think it might be the March episode, the March bonus episode on Patreon. I set it to go, uh, to become available to everyone after 30 days. So that time is, should be just about up. So if you wanted to get a, a sneak peek or a taste of what those monthly bonus episodes look like, uh, you're welcome to do so on the Patreon page. I gave the list, the URL for that earlier. But uh, normally, those are just going to be reserved for the, the Patreon folks. But anyway, uh, I'm just rambling now. I don't want to waste your time after I just got done telling you how much I value you giving it to me. So have a great week. Happy electric motoring. And I'll see everybody next week. There's Daisy. Hey, pups. <laughs>